We've been off for more than a month since we last recorded, and not for any real reason other than I think we've been reluctant to face the reality that our good friend of this podcast, Dr. Gary Siegel, passed away on November 1st. Um, I think you put that out, uh, tweeted that, and many of our listeners are aware of that. I don't know how many listen to these podcasts out of order, but, um, you know, it came as a... uh, emotional blow on um, on November 1st when we learned that news. We didn't ever meet him, as we've said in the past, in person, but we certainly felt like we knew him. Pictures of um, his grandchildren, Miriam, Hattie, and Max, were on our refrigerator. He would occasionally send uh, snail mail as well as email, the emails that we read every... read in the cleanup position of every podcast. And... Um, we would hear from his daughter, Amanda, and um, I'm looking now at, at his obituary that his uh, Mrs. DGS, Beth Siegel, sent. Um, and I just want to read a paragraph from it because he, he never wrote about himself other than his his likes and dislikes. And uh, really, there were no dislikes. His likes, Formula One, the Atlanta Braves, all the things that we know about, but uh, never really wrote about his own uh, background. Dr. Gary E. Siegel, Gary Earl Siegel, born November 29th, 1957, um, passed away after a brief battle with brain cancer on November 1st. He was 65, in his home, surrounded by his family. A native Atlantan, Gary grew up in Morningside, finishing then Grady High School, before graduating Phi Beta Kappa from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Gary received his medical degree at the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta before completing his surgical OBGYN training at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Gary married his BBYO sweetheart, Beth Mitchell, in July 1980, expanding their family to include their son, Eric, and daughter, Amanda. After a brief stint in Jacksonville, Florida, Gary ultimately felt the pull back to Atlanta. He later set up a private obstetrics and gynecology practice that he ran until he semi-retired from full-time work in 2017, delivering thousands of babies for women across Metro Atlanta over 30 years. Thousands of babies, Rebecca, over 30 years. I'm just realizing as you um, read this, today is November 29th, so today is Dr. Siegel's birthday. Wow. And he delivered thousands of babies. You would have been 66 today. So um, I didn't didn't notice that until you just said that. His relentless de- dedication to his work was echoed in Gary's commitment to his extended family. His greatest pride was his role as Zadie, that's a Yiddish for grandpa, to his three grandchildren, taking to daily FaceTime calls or virtually sent singing videos when he wasn't making them laugh hysterically during regular travels to Austin and New Orleans. He leaves behind a remarkable legacy and will be best remembered for his charm and success as a physician, a deep loyalty to those he loved, minor celebrity status as frequent contributor at DGS on the Ball and Chain podcast, a passion for the Braves in Formula One, and unfailing intellect. I'm letting you do all the talking because I'll get too emotional. Well, I mean, I think we we both are. And, um, you know, we we always referred to uh, Beth Siegel as, as the long-suffering uh, Mrs. DGS as if, um, you know, their battles over Delta versus Southwest were, uh, you know, kind of a, a sitcom subject. But um, our our eternal gratitude to, to Dr. Siegel and to his family for sharing him with us and with our listeners and, um, and uh, you know, I'm really at a loss for what else to say. And if you go to uh, Jewish JewishFuneralCare.com and search Dr. Gary Siegel, Gary with two R's, um, you will see that obituary and uh, and links to uh, where you can make donations, the UAB OBGYN Fund for Excellence in Education uh, and um, to plant a tree in Israel in Dr. Siegel's honor. You can visit the Jewish National Fund's official website. Anyway, that's at JewishFuneralCare.com. A search Dr. Gary Siegel. One reason that I'm at such a, a loss as to what to say is this podcast was never, in, never intended, um, never in a million years, to 
touch on anything serious, um, uh, heavy, uh, metaphysical, beyond um, nonsense, really. Um, there's so much of that out there that um, this was always a place to talk about Ireland and, and uh, egg cartons. But doing this however long we've been doing it now and uh, feeling like we've come to know some of these people who write in and actually coming to know some of them and our listeners coming to know some of them because I, I when Dr. Siegel passed away, I was getting texts from people that I did people that I know as friends and not as listeners who I didn't know listen to the podcast expressing their condolences or their affection for Dr. Siegel. So um, we will get back to our regularly scheduled nonsense. But, uh, you know, the reason that we have this space now where we're not talking about nonsense is because we became we – became, uh, uh, enamored of of some of these listeners and and their stories and i mean by their stories i mean their anecdotes and their their emails um and so it has become something i guess larger than nonsense you're not gonna you're not going to chime in with anything <laughs> are you um throw me a, a life ring no i i I, I, I'm just really, truly so much at a loss for words. I was just scrolling through some of the social media um, and people who have never, you know, sent us messages before, um, you know, just express their sadness and grief um, because they feel like we do, that we've come to know Dr. Siegel, came to know Dr. Siegel um, in the slightest, you know, of ways. And, uh, you know, I don't think I'd ever heard of Max Verstappen before uh, <laughs> before him writing in or never certainly cared about the Atlanta Braves before or a number of other things. And those are just, you know, the little things. Whenever I, you know, whenever I hear the name Max Verstappen, I, I don't even know what that guy looks like, but I will think of Dr. Siegel. He won the... Uh the Las Vegas Grand Prix. I I, I saw that he won. won. Um, still have no idea what he looks like. In fact, <laughs> since we since we last recorded the podcast, I was in Las Vegas um, the week of the the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Not for that, and um, but I thought of Doctor Siegel walking down the strip, all set up for the Formula One race. Um, still open to some traffic, so you would see, you know, a uh, uh, minivan on on Las Vegas Boulevard on the same kind of course that was the F1 track before it was completely shut down to traffic and uh and I wondered if Dr. Siegel would have been there if he if um you know but I, I know he would have gotten a kick out of it and and the aforementioned Max Verstappen won the uh won that Grand Prix in an exciting finish so I've just given my Formula One report um and we have Dr. Siegel too thank for that we do i should say that when i went to las vegas um i stayed in a hotel that you had suggested i stay in mm -hmm. it was only there for 24 hours after many hotels um that i have not liked staying in in las vegas yeah. over the years covering games i finally found one that i did you found like one that you liked so i stayed there you, and yeah. and and i it was a slow boat to get to Las Vegas. I was I changed planes in Minneapolis actually, and and what a what a, a bittersweet thing to be in Minneapolis with a two hour layover, but you're not able to leave the airport. I still feel you know it, when I'm in the Minneapolis airport, I feel like we're going there for the Fourth of July week, our annual Fourth up north, and uh, so it gives me a warm feeling. Um, just to be changing planes at MSP. But I, I checked into the hotel in Las Vegas after midnight, 3 a.m. East Coast time, and a and, um, woman at the reception desk said, have you stayed with us before? And I said, no, but my wife has. And and as she's punching out the keys, she said, is she, is she joining you here? And I said, no, it's her turn to stay home with the four kids. And she, and God bless her, this 25-year-old uh, desk clerk said, ah, and it's your turn 
to vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I just I didn't know what uh, what she made of our marriage that we take turns vacationing in Las Vegas, but right while well, the other one is home with the four kids. Yeah, yeah, but but you know maybe something we ought to try. Well, I, I sort of did do that. Our our I took our thirteen year old and five of her friends um, just for a weekend, a couple of nights uh, to Cape Cod. This is what she wanted to do for her thirteenth birthday. Um, and there were so many like delightful moments. It was a just a sweet group of kids, and um, but but you know they were playing Taylor Swift music constantly, talking about Taylor Swift um, almost constantly. But my favorite was when I was driving the minivan, and they're all behind me. Just you know, do you think Taylor Swift will take? Travis Kelsey's name, or do you think Travis Kelsey will take Taylor Swift's name as they're, you know, talking about the, um, you know, impending marriage in their in their eyes? Um, and then one of the other moments that just do you like, think, do you think our eleven year old could name another player in the NFL? Like Saquon Barkley, I think she knows the phrase Danny Dimes. Probably not, but she has. Well, they, they could wear jerseys to, to school mm-hmm. sometime in the last couple of weeks, and she borrowed her brother's Saquon Barkley jersey and, and wore that to school. So I know she could name Saquon Barkley. And she has since asked for a Travis Kelsey, Kelsey jersey, like a jersey t-shirt for Christmas. No, of course. like It's opened up a whole world of teenage it, girls, it to, has. at least to... The Kansas City but, but has Chiefs. It? I don't if, know. If you can't name Patrick Mahomes or, or any other player on the Chiefs or in the league, I, I don't know that it's opened up the league to to these girls. But but uh, certainly Travis Kelsey and and they're big fans of Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah, they 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 like this. Uh, do they have a celebrity couple name yet? I'm sure they. I'm do. I'm sure they do. I don't know what it is. So so I'm listening to to the girls talk about that, and then at one point. Um, I think this time it's in the evening and they're they're auxing, they're playing Taylor Swift in the minivan speakers. And it's one of her songs where there's a curse word. Um, and I guess I'm just used to the radio version because I don't remember hearing the, the F-bomb. So all the girls are belting at the top of their lungs this song. And then the F-bomb comes on and none of them yeah. says it. And then I just said, um, I, I waited a few beats and I looked at our daughter. I said, uh, we don't. Isn't there a like a radio version of this song? And one of her friends just said, like, adamantly and a little fearfully, we didn't say the word. <laughs> I said, I know you didn't say the word. It was just so sweet because they were singing at the top of their lungs and they all knew that's the word you don't say. <laughs> the, the, they sang <laughs> the radio paused. version where it's just a silent gap. Yes, right. It, it was it was sweet. And, um, and then I just wrote this in my notes because... I loved it so much. So the drive out there is, you know, about three and a half hours. And um, I think at one part in the in the later part of the drive, at least one, if not a couple, kids dozed off, and um, and they woke up right when we were approaching our destination. And one of the kids says, and I just love this because it's so so true. Waking up when you're almost there is the best. Ah. Uh. Isn't that like, just think of when you're a kid and you're on a long trip to see your grandparents or wherever you're going and you fall asleep. Or even for me, like if I fall asleep on a plane, when I'm, especially when I'm coming home more than I'm, when I'm going somewhere. It's so true. Waking up when you're almost there. And it's like arriving the at the elevator when it arrives, when there's a crowd at the elevator and they've done all the waiting for you. The people who have waited at the elevator and then it, it arrives when you get there. Yeah. I wouldn't, Speaking of the elevator, I wouldn't it's, say it's quite like that, well, but... <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly like that. Okay. Um, and speaking of elevators and uh, silent gaps and the Taylor Swift song, it just occurred to me that, you know how hotel elevators, they, they skip 13, you know? It goes yes. from 12 mm-hmm. to 14. Yes. Or... Many times I've stayed on, on floor 14, by the way. Yeah. Which is... Floor 13. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what we should do with our 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 cleanup spot and viewer mail. We skip from three to five, and retire the number four for Doctor Siegel. Well, of course, that kind of goes without. Well, but it wasn't. He wasn't always fourth. He was just always last. So we'll just have to figure out. 
So, we'll, so we'll imagine a hotel with no top floor. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll certainly figure out a way to every week. Uh, I thought I thought I had the, I thought I had come up with something. So we can do that. We can brilliant. say right, this is viewer mail number three, and then this is viewer mail number five. We'll figure mm, it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It never occurred to me that the cleanup spot was sometimes eleventh. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, that I'm is s- true. Sorry I brought it up. No, not at all. Also, since the last time we did a podcast, it really has been a long time. Um, I called a game in Paris, uh, Notre Dame, South Carolina. I was in Paris for four or five days. Um, but what I wrote down in my notes is is first got there, uh, took a cab about 45 minutes to the hotel from Charles de Gaulle. And uh, the taxi driver, which I did, didn't love this, um, on occasion was texting or looking at his texts, which were in French. Um, you didn't it, love that he was looking at them or that they were in French? I didn't love that he was looking at them. Because yes. you were also trying to look at them but couldn't read well, them in French. I, I couldn't read them in French, but I could see uh, emojis are universal and the three um, like lip kiss emojis. <laughs> Whatever the text. He was receiving or sending? He was uh, receiving, I believe. Um, but there were three of the red lips emoji following whatever it was said in French. And you did disapproved of his... Uh... I No, I, I, I was like, oh, that's lovely. I wish he would wait until he wasn't driving me. Wait until he didn't have my life in his hands to be reading that text or writing that text. And we have... Uh... Uh, our first Parisian Uber confessions, right? Oh, yeah, that would be. I love, by the way, that you spent uh, four or five days in Paris with a 24-hour excursion via Eurostar to London. You went with our oldest daughter and um, experienced all kinds of, presumably, all kinds of wonders and delights, culinary and and otherwise, and... Um, the one sentence you boiled your trip down to was the uh, unsafe driving of the um, and it wasn't even of the about amorous the unsafe Uber driving. driver. Right, it was only about the red lips emoji. Well, if I had gone without our daughter, I would have probably the game was on Monday. I probably would have landed on Sunday, <laughs> flown back on Tuesday. But with her, we went. We landed on Friday morning. We left Thursday evening. We had favorable tailwinds, as the uh, flight attendant told us when we left New York. And uh, we landed in like a l- slightly over five hours. It was it was actually a much easier flight to go to Paris than um, it is for me to get to Vegas <laughs> from Hartford. And um, we, but like two days before we were set to fly, our daughter said to me. Or texted and said, um, Noah Kahn, who's her favorite musical artist, other than Taylor Swift, although he might be her, her most favorite now. She's like, is doing an album signing in London on Friday evening. Do you want to go? And I, I know she totally expected me to say, no chance, you know. And instead I just said, yeah, let's see how things go, maybe. So anyway, so we did. So we landed Friday morning in Paris, got to the hotel, napped for a couple hours, took a train to London, which was super pleasant um, and fast. It was about a two-hour train ride. Walked around, did a bunch of sightseeing in London, went to this album signing. Um, Noah Kahn, who has since been nominated for a Best New Artist Grammy. So you went went, uh, Paris to London in the same time it takes uh, Hartford to New York on Amtrak. Yeah, exactly. Probably less time, actually. And... uh, and then the next morning we went to Notting Hill and walked around there and then took a train back um, back to Paris. We went to the Eiffel Tower multiple times. Um, sun, the first night. So did I the f- when I was in Las Vegas. Oh, right. <laughs> the first night we went, we didn't get there in time for sunset. So the second night she wanted to go for, suns- for the sunset. Anyway, it was great. And it was fun to have her young um, energy and uh enthusiasm and um, everything because you know much of the stuff we did I would not have done on my own Um, but we had a just a a delightful time the game um, the game was fun it was really good and uh, and then the next day on Tuesday flew back brought her back to college and uh, 
and came back home. So a lovely and super easy uh, five-day trip to uh, Paris and London. When you came back home, I, I'm guessing you had unfavorable tailwinds. <laughs> we did, yes. It took us. It took us seven or eight, close to eight hours to get back. Yeah. That will be uh, the title of my next memoir. Unf- unfavorable tailwinds. I like I like that. That would be a good uh, country be, song as well. Be a good name for a, if I ever if I ever and, and I'm planning to get into owning thoroughbred racehorses. Our first uh, <laughs> horse will be favorable <laughs> tailwinds. Oh, except for the and then the second horse that runs behind him would, well, would be named tailwinds. unfavorable tailwinds. That's right. I think we uh, should rename at least one of our dogs unfavorable tailwinds. I'd be open to the dog, just not one of the children. Uh, we've got a lot of viewer mail, and we've we've been off for so long. And viewer mail was the uh, happy playground of Dr. Gary Siegel. So, on this our first broadcast since his passing, podcast since his passing, and on his birthday, November twenty ninth. Uh, let's get to his province of viewer mail, shall we? We shall. Big Papa, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. This is going back, I think, uh, pre-Halloween. Now, have we done anything since Halloween? No. Did we acknowledge our our thanks to another longtime listener and friend of the podcast, uh, George and Columbus for his. We did for his pumpkin, but I was supposed to post the picture, and I haven't done that yet. I but I will. But yes, we did thank him because we did a podcast after the pumpkin arrived. It has snowed lightly here a couple of days. It's frigid. Um, I, the pumpkin is still rotting it's on our on our it's on our. It's in there pretty well, though. I know. I got. We have to. It's that shoulder season of where we have the pumpkin and we have the Christmas wreath and the mums. I got to throw the mums in the woods. We got to discard the pumpkin and we have to hang up the wreath. We got to we got to transition to to winter. Did you know it's not the first day of winter is December twenty first. That's the shortest day of the year. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. I was driving our daughter and some of her friends to basketball practice last night, and I said, I wonder – so the days are getting shorter. I wonder what the shortest day of the year is, and one of the vo- 13-year-old voices piped up, December 21st. <laughs> I was about like, get, oh. They're about well, to get a lot shorter. Glad you know that. I did not. Hello and happy fall, wrote uh, Gail on October 25th. A few life updates from down in Houston. We will all now have much more time on our hands since the Astros are officially out of the running. So that's how long ago this was, Rebecca, the – I think the World Series hadn't been completed yet. Hmm. A few weeks ago, we hit a milestone in our family. My oldest son's feet are officially larger than my own. Granted, I have smallish feet, size seven and a half women, but I was not expecting this to come so soon. He's nine. That- <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. <laughs> I am still laughing at the silent treatment birthday story. My husband has endured many long hours of silent treatment purgatory. Ah yes, you. I, I was getting the silent the, treatment the for the first. This, this mistaken signs. Gail, I was getting the silent treatment for the first five minutes of this podcast. I had to laugh when I listened to Rachel from Idaho talk about the season of potatoes and melting meats because that's what we're having for dinner tonight. Baked potato bar is a family favorite and in heavy rotation during the fall and winter months. My oldest son requested the leftover potato, brisket, bacon, and broccoli be mixed up and added to this, and added to his thermos for lunch tomorrow. That sounds delicious. All of that in a thermos? Potato, biscuit. Brisket. Bris- I'm sorry. Potato, brisket, bacon, and broccoli. Yes. I mean, b- biscuit would be good, too. I'm, I, get, I must be hungry because that sounds really good to me. While his younger brother eats cafeteria lunch, the nine-year-old prefers leftovers in his thermos or salad in a Tupperware container with a dressing in a mini container. I asked him once if kids ever said anything to him about his salads or his thermos, and he said no, but, quote, Almost every day, teachers come over to see what I'm eating for lunch, and they always say it looks good. <laughs> see, I don't understand our family. Our, our kids take after you. We had some. We had really good Thanksgiving leftovers in the fridge uh, after Thanksgiving, which I ate for multiple days. No one else. No one else went and had Thanksgiving leftovers. Like, who doesn't like? Not. I understand sometimes people don't like leftovers, but Thanksgiving leftovers. 
I don't know what, what weird DNA you have passed on to our children, but I don't approve. Thanks for bringing us laughter in these tumultuous days, writes Gail. My prayers to uh, DGS, MGS, and the whole S family. And um, that was from the um, last week of October, but that applies as well today. Um, Ed, our resident patent attorney in Ashton, Maryland, writes, Hi, Stephen, Rebecca. Your recent discussion regarding gluten brought to mind a quote attributed to actor Ryan Reynolds and noted in the book Dear Los Angeles, The City in Diaries and Letters. He said, quote, People in L.A. are deathly afraid of gluten. I swear to God, you could rob a liquor store in this city with a bagel. <laughs> Made me laugh. <laughs> Be well. Ed. If you're looking for a gluten-free host, simply say gluten-free. That was our former priest. Um people who wanted a gluten-free communion. Uh, this comes from uh, Patty with an I from Seymour, Connecticut. The, um, the Convention and Visitor Bureau uh, slogan, Seymour, Connecticut. All oh, right. right, yes. Dear Rebecca and Steve, thanks for entertaining us each week um, and for reading my correspondence a few weeks ago. I continue to love the podcast and am still binge listening. In some ways, it will be sad when I become a completionist and must wait for a weekly podcast. I was moved last week, writes Patty, uh, by Mark from Dallas's email. You just never know what people are going through in their lives. Thank you, Mark, for sharing your family's real-life story. Paige is an inspiration and has been through more than most people do in a lifetime. I'm happy to hear that Paige is thriving at UT Arlington. I wish her continued good health and a wonderful college career. We will also follow Abby's career as she plays basketball at the University of Texas, Austin. Even though we are diehard UConn women basketball fans, there's always room to watch good basketball. Wishing Abby a fulfilling school year and basketball season. Mark and his wife must be amazing parents. I love that they traveled to each of the girls' universities so they could have had a meal with them on their birthdays. Then, then Mark completed the drive home and had dinner with his wife the same day for her birthday. Very impressive. That's quite a feat since the state of Texas is not small. Thanks for your heartwarming correspondence, Rebecca. UConn and Texas. Texas play this weekend. They play this coming Sunday, December 3rd. Um, I think it's at 3 o'clock Eastern on ABC, but I'll be flying down there. I'm looking forward to seeing Abby, and hopefully Mark will be there as well um, to say hello. And, yeah, I'll be calling the UConn-Texas game. So this, this uh, email came in at a perfect time. Patty writes, what amazes me is how your listeners are connected to you, Rebecca and Steve, in one way or another, no matter how significant or insignificant, the connections are there. Here are some of my connections to you and or your correspondence. I enumerate. One, in my last correspondence, Steve, you mentioned that Tom, Dick, and Hari did a pilgrimage walk. Likely, it was the Carmino that they traversed. There are a variety of trails that span several European countries. My daughter and I hiked the Camino del Norte in August. And, yes, there are bars that await hikers in the towns through which they pass. You said they went from bar to bar, and that's entirely possible. Connection. TD&H hiked the Camino, as did we. Two, I'm a Springfield College graduate. As you are aware, James Naismith was the inventor of basketball at the International YMCA Training School, now known as Springfield College. I passed under the arches a week, maybe two weeks ago, at Springfield College, birthplace of basketball. It always gives me a little frisson, Rebecca, mm -hmm. of excitement when I when I see that. And interestingly, when we came back the other way, we were coming from um, Western New England University, it, it, it says the same thing. And, and I, our son pointed out, why does it say it on the other side as well? Because we're leaving. Yeah. Two, I'm a Springfield College graduate. As you're aware, James Naismith uh, invented basketball. As a college gymnast in the 1970s, I worked out for four years in Judd Gymnasium, the same gym that hosted the infamous Peach Baskets, first used, I suspect, by James Naismith in the game of basketball. When Judd, J-U-D-D, gym was renovated, I'm not sure what happened to those Peach Baskets. Perhaps they're in the Basketball Hall of Fame. That certainly would make sense. Connection, invention of basketball at Springfield College by James Naismith, dot, 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 Rebecca's game. Judd's gym. I, heard, I, I didn't forgot to mention this. I was in the car yesterday, and um, the radio station mentioned that Judd Nelson Bender from the Breakfast Club, yeah, turned sixty-five yesterday. Come on, yeah, really? And I think sixty-five or six, sixty-four. Excuse me, sixty-four. And um, they just mentioned birth, you know, birthday of Judd, Judd Nelson, sixty-four, and and I thought, you know. 
obviously he wasn't 17 when when he was making the breakfast club but he was playing a high school student in detention and um and now he's 64 four a student taught at long meadow high school mentored by three wonderful women and Springfield College grads, Judy, Linda, and Nancy. I learned a lot from each. Here's the connection. The Nancy I'm referring to is Nancy Darsh. She was a wonderful human being and teacher. I had heard after I graduated that Nancy departed Longmeadow to do graduate work at none other than the University of Tennessee. She became Pat Summit's assistant coach and the first paid assistant coach in women's college basketball in the late 70s. She had so many accolades, coached Ohio State, coached in the WNBA, inducted into the Springfield College Athletic Hall of Fame, and the Ohio State Athletic Hall of Fame. A, Rebecca, am I correct in thinking that you were playing for the Liberty when Nancy was coaching? Yeah, Nancy Darsh was the coach of the Liberty for the first two years, 1997 and 1998, and also she was an assistant on the Olympic team in 1996. I was once at a game at the Mohegan Sun where Nancy was coaching for the Lynx, writes uh, uh, Patty, and um, my husband encouraged me to go down to see her, but I didn't think she would remember me, so I didn't. I regret that decision as she passed away in 2020. It would have been nice to for her to know how much she impacted my teaching in a positive way. One more thing. I can't bring this email to a close before discussing the shoelace situation from my perspective as a PE teacher retired. The sneaker companies are doing a disservice to youngsters by putting round shoelaces on their sneakers. I can say that with confidence. Having tied numerous kindergartner sneakers in my classes over the years, uh, a lot of instructional time was lost. Until their fine motor dexterity develops, I'm a uh, firm believer that Velcro sneakers or flat lace sneakers are the answer to kindergartners. Or for, for, for me as well, I can't stand round laces. They don't stay tied. I have a pair of shoes that I've recently threw away because mm-hmm. they were worn out, but they had round laces and they drove me crazy. Yeah. I totally agree, however, send them with Velcro or flat lace sneakers on PE days. Please, I'm guessing that it's cheaper to manufacture the round laces. Thanks for bringing the better bow to my attention. I've tried it out and love it. Perhaps parents could tie their kindergartner sneakers with a better bow before leaving for school. Kudos to the inventor. Uh, sincerely, uh, uh, she says some other nice things about the podcast. We appreciate that. Sincerely, Patty with an I from Seymour, Connecticut. Uh, Greetings from the Frontier, writes, uh, or wrote Tim uh, a few weeks back. Hello, Restiva One. I've been on a journey through all your old pod episodes. I decided since I started midstream, it was proper to go back and listen from the beginning. And since it is so difficult to stop midstream, I am... (laughs) Episode 148. <laughs> I see what you're doing there, Tim, and, and I appreciate it. I am soldiering on without listening to current pods. It makes me think that I'm like Doc Brown from Back to the Future, traversing the, the galactic timeline without knowing what is happening in the present day. Or like a time-traveling Lewis and Clark, I'm sending reports from the hinterlands of time, not knowing whether anyone is on the receiving end to read them. This is interesting to me, Rebecca, in that you know we say we've been off for a month or, um, you know, we explain our our absence. Many don't know. We are the, like the light from a distant star. This hasn't reached, excuse me, many of our listeners yet and won't for perhaps years, right? right? As I listen to pod after pod, I'm struck by the obvious banter of an old married couple, old is in quotation marks, I appreciate that, of an old married couple might reflecting the give and take of married life while weaving a tapestry of family, fun, frustration, festivities, and at times, furor. I do appreciate your ability to carry on through COVID-19, the pandemic, providing comfort via your podcast. Did you see that alliteration in there, Rebecca? Family, fun, frustration, festivities, and furor? Now that you point it out, yes. It, 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 what, which which of short-lived McDonald's slogan does that remind you of? <laughs> Which one? They had, for a while, it was food, folks, and fun. Right, right. Do you remember that one? Yeah. A couple of things to note. Remember what a big deal it was when McDonald's would change its its jingle or ad slogan when you were like a teenager or a kid, or was it not to you? I don't remember it. No. Okay. You don't remember because it wasn't a big deal to you, right? I guess yes. A couple of things to note from back in the B and C day, writes Tim. Uh, recalling the PVC rocket tube days of Halloween candy delivery, 2020 style, not Love American style, made me laugh and sad simultaneously. This Halloween, uh, our daughter uh, said, uh, remember when we had the, the tube that we you know <laughs> shut out the, the loft window. Oh gosh, I had forgotten about that. I think that, that was really necessary. And, and, we, and, and the ang- <laughs> it was so, had to be so steeply angled right. because of where it was that it would just rocket down. And, and, and you know, the first, the first time we had a dense... 
candy <laughs> locked and loaded in that thing. That was 2020, right? A couple of kids, I think, took it off the bridge of the nose. Yeah. yeah. And That's, all the intentions were good. Listening with glee about the first day to the DMV getting your oldest daughter's driving permit and how my wife and I have argued over 40 years of marriage about the pronunciation. Is it permit like Kermit or permit? It's permit, permit like Kermit, right? Right, yes. Smiling while listening you to the permit kid. permit them to drive after they get their permit. Yes. That's a, good, that's a good way of remembering. Yes. Smiling while listening to the kid feet or dog tussling pounding on the floor above you as you try to record. Gosh, we haven't had... We just let the dogs in um, while we've been recording here. Yeah. But um, they've been pretty mellow. Take care, your crazy... Take care, you crazy kids. More reports from the frontier soon. Tim M. P.S. Looking forward to NCAA women's basketball season. Watch those Hoosiers. But Hoosiers? How about the Marquette Golden Eagles, who are uh, women who are uh, 23rd of the nation now, and the Marquette Golden Eagle right men? Now undefeated, I think, 6 and 0. The Marquette men are number three, having knocked off number one Kansas the other night and lost a close one to num- now number one Purdue. Um, and UConn men are number four. So come February 17th, I think it is, they square That's off. That's when they play. Okay. In, in, in Hartford. Uh, Alfred from Cedarburg, Wisconsin writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, it seems that dogs love everything that smells like their favorite humans. The Q-tips story makes, takes me back to a memory of our first Shetland sheepdog, Shelley. His name was Guinness. Oh, Shep, Shep, oh I'm sorry. The Q-tip story takes me back to a memory of our first Shetland sheepdog, parentheses, Sheltie. His name was Guinness, and he was so sweet. However, he always had a hankering for our used Q-tips. We had to change all our bathroom trash cans to the kind that has a lid and a pedal. Happy belated sixth anniversary. We are still loving the BNC podcast after all these years. Please keep going. Alfred from Cedarburg. Um, I think our dogs would would uh, easily figure out how to work a pedaled trash can. No. Absolutely. They... they we got linen dog. trash cans for mul- for the for multiple bathrooms because of the dogs. Why didn't we just get door locks? <laughs> just because. I'll tell you, our dog, our younger dog, figured out how to turn our bedroom doorknob, and and get into our bed. She, no, she she scratched. Didn't. Yes, she has multiple times. She has she has f- flailed at the doorknob and opened opened the door. I think that's probably she's. She she does push on the door when she wants to go out or when she wants to be fed in the morning, but I don't I don't think she's learned how to turn the doorknob. My guess is the days that the door is open, it's just because it wasn't latched closed. It was like pushed closed, but not completely. So it was just her pushing on the door opened, and I don't think she can't turn the doorknob. Andy and Karen in Durham, Connecticut, right? Dear Stephen, Rebecca. Just read your tweet about the passing of Dr. Gary Siegel. My wife and I are heartbroken as well to learn this. He was such a refreshing and solid weekly contributor to the podcast. In addition to the many BNC viewers, he also touched the lives of so many more families in a positive way during his professional career. We, along with many other viewers, looked forward to his messages. Thanks to you both for encouraging and relishing his weekly spots and for helping us to appreciate him, too. We all are grateful to his family, and they have our love, support, and thanks. DGS had a kind spirit and a big heart, and it's your openness that helped bring this out. Please don't underestimate the effect you have on people. Keep up the outstanding work, Andy and Karen in Durham. Uh, it's very kind of you to say, Andy and Karen, um, and uh, especially as regards uh, Dr. Siegel. Um, I know that his family was, uh, while not uh, listeners at the podcast, which you and I loved that fact, and I think Dr. Siegel did too, um, they they. Uh, did appreciate that he had this impact on, uh, in their view, total strangers, but yeah. of course, uh, people who Dr. Siegel came to know through the podcast as well. Uh, Tim, um, who wrote in previously, wrote in again a couple of weeks later now, and uh, from the frontier, he's our uh, midstreamer. Uh, he writes, Rebecca, my heart was touched by your tale of your mom's tears upon watching finishing uh, cross-country runners complete their races. Our daughter and son were cross-country runners, and my wife volunteered at multiple races when our school hosted the event. She discovered that she couldn't handle the assignment of end-of-race in the shoot of end-of-race in the shoot monitor because of her, quote, mom reaction upon the recurrence of Harriers showing pain, sorrow, and exhaustion at race's end. 
It was too emotional for her. I completely understood her future reluctance to work at this given post. I will always remember our daughter's final high school cross-country race when she was just recovered from a stress fracture. She limped to the start line, took off her walking boot for the race, ran the race, gutted out the finish, and promptly put her boot back on at race's end. No great fanfare, no glorious ribbons or trophies, but the satisfaction of literally just finishing the race. Almost 15 years later, it still brings tears of pride to my heart. The end of high school athletics, or for some college athletics, can be both rewarding and heart-wrenching at the same time. Thanks for bringing that understanding through the podcast, Tim. That's that's uh, we're we're at a phase of life now where that's we're hitting a lot of lasts. Right. So our high schooler had her last fall sports season. Our senior um, tonight is the fall sports banquet, and um, you know, so we've got two other kids who are you know not yet in or are in the middle of high school, but um, you know. That's not an infinite supply. Yeah. Uh, Pat Eaton Rob uh, writes, Pat Eaton Rob of the Associated Press. Yes. And of, of the AP and of the BNC. If you were male, writes, Hi guys, I'm sorry I missed Rebecca in France. I also was recently in Paris on vacation, though it turned into a bit of a work trip as we were evacuated one day from Versailles because of a terrorist threat and a couple of days later got stuck at the top of the Eiffel Tower for a few hours when some moron tried to climb it. I remember both of these stories, Rebecca. I don't. I was, uh, you, I was just, there. Just before you went to Paris. Yeah. Oh, it was um, just before? No, okay. just before, yeah, just before you went to Paris. Um, uh, Versailles and I think the Louvre were closed on the same day. And, and you remember there was some trepidation about whether, you know, it was going to be safe to travel yeah. to Paris mm-hmm. that week. Uh, so... Writes Patty and Rob, I was able to contribute to the AP's international report both days. While atop the tower, I interviewed a couple who decided to get engaged up there. I've put a link to the story below. Hope Rebecca's trip was fun, was as fun, but less eventful. So they put uh, Pat to work while he was there on vacation. And um, maybe he can now expense the trip. <laughs> The AP story says Patty and Rob, an AP journalist from Connecticut who was also stuck up there, got their story. I figured we might be here longer than I imagined, Khan told the AP reporters, so I didn't want to miss dinner, and she always wanted to be proposed to on or under the Eiffel Tower. So I figured, this is it. This is the moment. And the answer, yes, of course. Um, Incredible. Yeah. You know? So that's pretty cool. Uh, You know, when I proposed to you, Rebecca, I... uh, I had tried to get an AP reporter to come with me to uh, to send it out on the wire. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't uh, <laughs> couldn't arrange that. Lori, tough schist, writes Stephen Rebecca. As we all grieve Dr. Gary's passing, I hope we can find a way to continue the podcast. Um, it amazes me how you both are able to make us, the podcast viewers, feel like a family, and how close we feel to Dr. Gary's family. I'm attaching two photos. One is from my family's early Thanksgiving. We took a four-generation picture. The thing that is unique about this picture is that each mother was at least 30 years old when they had their daughter. My mom is turning 95. I'm turning 65. My daughter is 32, and her baby is four months old. Rebecca, a four-generation four picture at Thanksgiving. This is incredible. That's amazing. Incredible. Everybody looks great, healthy, in a, in a uh, crisp fall Thanksgiving setting on, on someone's back deck. We have a sweet four-generation picture when our oldest daughter was just a couple of years old and my grandmother was still alive. Um, but that's amazing that they yeah. they have that from this I know year. That, I know that picture exactly. Also, my nephew found my mom's diary from her high school years. She graduated in 1947. She wrote a little something every day for five years. The diary has 365 pages that is a place on each page for five years. So on November 14th, there are five entries, one each for five years. Just about every page has something for each year. It's amazing. Her cursive was beautiful and consistent. She talks about her friends and what she and her family were doing. Nothing too deep. I mean, how incredible would that be from the 1940s? I I would love to have kept a, a sentence or two every day from, say, the late 70s, you know? Yeah. Just what was what was my life like i think i remember but you know i don't know the specifics of course 
The second photo was the first page of her diary. She copied this from her biology book. Learn to accept defeat when you are defeated. Whenever there is competition, somebody has to lose. You cannot always be the winner, and you cannot always have the things you want. Cultivate habits of losing gracefully. If you have done your best, you should be satisfied. Do not make excuses to yourself or to others for your failures. You should be willing to try again and not give up, even though you are defeated more than once. There is a lot of wisdom in that paragraph. That's a that's a fantastic paragraph. It really is, yes. P.S. My mom was an only child. She wanted to have a big family. She has 21 great-grandchildren with number 22 on the way. The oldest is 12. Our family gatherings are very exciting. I imagine they must be. Uh, my deepest sympathies for all the ball and chain family, Lori, tough schist, and there's the picture, the four-generation picture, and in this beautiful um, cursive handwriting, Palmer script, I think they called it, Rebecca, is that passage that she had copied that begins, learn to accept defeat when you are defeated. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to post that up on a fridge or something. Send that to me too so I can post it on social. Okay, I will do that. Let me figure out how to uh, mark that as unread. Uh, we've just got a couple left here, and then uh, and then um, the uh, retired spot, cleanup spot. Yes. Uh, Ted from the Lower East Side writes, Hi, RNS. It's been a month since your last podcast. Is everything okay with you and your family? Question mark. Taking a break? Question mark. Um, it was only natural that people should wonder, and we appreciate the uh, concern, but uh, there was nothing. There was nothing... Uh, other than busy schedules and and some sadness. Well, sure, but um, but yeah. But anyway, speaking of busy, we got we do have to get get this these last two in here. It feels like we've had a month of silence in memory of DGS, and I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Yes, you know, I attended Gary's funeral via the Zoom link. He was beloved by many, and it's still hard to believe he's gone. That Zoom link, by the way, is uh, if you if you go to. Um, uh, his obituary page. I think that Zoom link you can, you can you can watch an, an archive of it. He certainly left a legacy as part of BNC, but I think he would definitely want the podcast to carry on. I tried going back to find when DGS first showed up on a podcast. Didn't pinpoint the exact episode, but it was definitely early in BNC history. I'm sure producer Denny Gallagher, um, who who really is probably our greatest institutional memory here, um, has some idea of at least. Yeah what month that was. I was noodling on how to keep DGS's memory alive on the podcast. Is there an annual award named for DGS or perhaps viewer mail becomes known as the DGS segment or some variation thereof? Both excellent ideas. Uh, certainly my idea of skipping the fourth floor made no sense in hindsight. I still liked it though. Yeah. Thank you. So we, we, we'll, um, We'll, we'll, um, well, if anybody has any ideas, suggest them to us. Yes. We'll think our, ourselves, of course. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. As my kids got older and I only have two, holidays became more special to me because we would all have a break from our independent life paths and be together as a family. Aside from my family gathering, we had a nice Friendsgiving with neighbors in my building. There were a bunch of 7- to 10-year-olds running around. I miss the energy and innocence of kids that age. At our family, so do I. At our family gathering with close friends up in Guilford, Connecticut, two dogs came, one humongous St. Bernard mix that was the most gentle, docile creature who was looking for friends with food, and a small King Charles who was quite yappy. I've always been in the big dog camp, at least medium size. That's that's kind of what we are, right, Rebecca? Yes. Query, when was the last time that Marquette men's basketball team was ranked higher than the UConn women's basketball team. Any sort of rivalry in your house? Rebecca's history with the UConn program is deservedly well-known. Steve, were you a beat writer for the Marquette teams as a student? Uh, the answer is no, I was not. And no, there is no rivalry. People, I think, want there to be one um, with the two teams in the Big East. But um, the, but I'm definitely you know, following the Marquette uh, men's and women's programs and, and – um, Hope to see um, one or both of them here in in Connecticut. I have strong memories of the Big East heyday, writes Ted, in the 80s when the Garden rocked with St. John's games against Georgetown, Syracuse, UConn, and Villanova. There have been a few changes in the lineup, but it feels like in the last few years, the Big East is finally back to being a premier conference, and hopefully Rick Pitino gets St. John's back to elite program status, and college basketball becomes relevant again in New York City. Um, Yeah, the, the heyday of the Big East, Chris Mullen, 
wearing the T-shirt at St. John's, um, Pearl Washington, Patrick Ewing. I mean, it was Big Monday on ESPN. Yeah, when guys used to stay for four years and... Now they, they stay for six years in some cases, but... And finally, here's where we would ordinarily say, and finally, Dr. Gary Siegel, the notorious DGS, our, our double OBGYN, and all the various other uh, terms of endearment that we used for him over the years. Um, but uh, Tim from the Western Burbs of Chicago is going to close us out today. Um, it, it, we'll end the game with him on deck and Dr. Siegel at the bat. But uh, Tim writes, Dear Restiva, if you're hearing your last podcast on October 25th and not hearing anything for quite some time, I began to wonder if, like Forrest Gump in his jogging phase, you both understandably decided to stop running. Then I began to fear that something bigger had happened, and indeed my fears were confirmed when I discovered the good doctor, DGS's obituary online, my condolences and best wishes to go out to you, fellow BNC viewers, and most of all, Dr. Siegel's family and patients. My gratitude has increased many times over listening to your podcast and following the travails, literally and figuratively, of Dr. Siegel, his observations on F1 and Max Verstappen, and life in general. Thank you, Rebecca and Steve, for bringing him to our ears and into our lives. May his memory be a blessing for us all. Shalom and eternal peace, DGS. Tim, that's beautifully put, and I think um, a good place to end. Dr. Siegel is forever in the cleanup spot, of course. And um, again, we wish uh, Beth, his children, Eric and Amanda, their grandchildren, Miriam, Hattie, and Max, uh, blessings and and, uh, fond memories as we have of the great DGS. Till one dream appears and love is its name.